trapped on an island with nothing to do. What games would you take there with you? With no one else around, you could go insane without your desert island games. Everyone is tuning in to Jail 76 about is basically it's like Desert Island Discs but it's, it's um, games instead of records so um, like eight games you would pick you would take to a desert island should you be stranded on a desert island yep and you, uh, you get to pick uh, one book and one watcher item as well yeah I'm prepared for this are you prepared oh good good um, however if I may um um, I would like to maybe ask you a couple of questions as well before we start the the, the main Desert Island picks. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, for anybody um, who's listening to this uh, broadcast who doesn't know, John here is the creator of Sensible Soccer, Cannon Fodder, Megalomania, Sensible Golf, and many others. Classic retro games, and you were a you created Sensible Software itself. What was the thinking behind the, the name Sensible Software? Chris and I set up Sensible Software in 1986, Chris Yates and myself. Um, and before all the games you mentioned, we had a, we had a pretty successful Commodore 64 career. So, right. Whistball, Parallax, Micropro Soccer, Shoot'em Up Construction Kit uh, were all pretty big um, games on the um, Commodore 64 before we moved over to the Amiga with the, the ones everyone remembers more. Yeah. Um, you know, Cannon Fodder, Sensible Soccer, WizKid, and Megalomania, and all those titles. So, yeah, I mean, when we set the company up, we were both 19. Right. Um, oh, no, it's a lie. We were 20. We were 19 when we started working in the industry. Uh, we'd just come out of dropping out of college. We were in a band together. We wanted to make, you know, make our living as, as, a, as a band, but... Anyone who's played in the band knows that's hard. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris was good at computers, I was good at art. We found some jobs with a local company, and then we, after a year, we decided to set up on our own because we could make more money and it would be more fun. Yeah. And that's how Sensible Software started, really, all those years ago. Yes. Uh, I've got to tell you, the, the amount of hours I lost in my childhood playing um, Sensible Soccer and Cannon Fodder is uh, <laughs> unbelievable. It's definitely to my. My favourite games of all time, um, without a doubt. Um, I'm very happy, and uh, you know, one thing which I guess a lot of people who weren't around at that time or don't remember that time, and uh, and you won't read so much about these games on the internet compared to some other games because they never sold in the states, you know. Yeah. So uh, a lot of internet content, as we know, comes from America. So you know, we, we were so dominant in that period from. Between June 1992 and June 1995, uh, with the combination of our games, mainly Sensible Soccer and Cannon Fodder and Swass and Cannon Fodder 2, we were actually uh, number one in the the charts, in the all-format chart, for 52 weeks uh, of a three-year period. Wow. Which is is how how successful we were in that period. I mean, it was... Somewhere in the middle of our company, so it wasn't always like that in the whole 13 years we ran it. But that three-year period was amazing, and uh, yeah, very lucky to have had it. Yeah, 
must have been very, very happy times. Yeah, it was because it, you know we set the company up in '86 and we didn't really, we didn't really make. Although we had critical acclaim and you know, shoot 'em up construction kit, micro soccer, megalomania are all number one games. Yes. But we didn't really make money until '92, so we we were six years into the company by then. Yes. Yeah. So we, it, it was kind of also satisfying because we had to wait for it a bit. It was great. Yeah, as much as I loved sensible soccer, it was it was sensible world of soccer, but it's really got me hooked. Um, it's the vast size of the database in that game and the, the career mode was just fantastic. I, I mean, I, I I love games with big worlds now. I mean, I've been reflecting on it myself a lot, but the, often the problem I've had as a designer in the in the in the years beyond the, the those sensible years. Is I naturally want to design games to kind of scale of sensible world of soccer all the time now, and uh, they're seen as being inherently risky in the current market to do that, you know, because they're yes. quite big. They take a lot of thought, a lot of planning. The team that makes them's got to be really smart and know what it's doing. Um, but I've had since that point um, maybe two or three games. You know, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll will be one that people know about, but I, yeah. I was at Codemasters, I did a Cannon Fodder 3, which was an amazing design, a quite complex world that the Cannon Fodder guys could live in, um, which never came out either. Uh, and then I, I designed another one called CCTV for, like, the DS, and it could now... It was pre, pre-touch phones. Now it would go on touch phone. Mm-hmm. Um... I designed that in about 2008, and again, that didn't come out. So I had a period where I had about three big games in a row that didn't come out. Until my current game, Word Explorer, has come out, which is quite a complex word game where you travel the world, um, I hadn't managed to do it. And, um, yeah, I, I love I love the games with big worlds in them. They're exciting, you know? Yeah. I, like to, I like to play them, and I like to make them. Right. I remember... I remember getting a, a demo for Sensible, Sensible World of Soccer before it came out, or it was on one of the Amiga magazines, I can't remember, and I just remember it then. once you played the game, it came up with a little message at the end saying, every team in the world, even Airdrie, even Airdrionians. Did you say that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was a magazine that put that in, or if it was you guys, but it, was quite, it amused me because Airdrie is quite close to where I live. Airdrie wear white with like a red kind of chevron on it, is that correct? Yeah, like diamond, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember um, <laughs> this is going to I've, I've said this to people before it's, it's, it, it made me chuckle uh, not chuckle but not in a racist way but um, there, was a, there, was a, there was a team in I think it was South Africa uh, in the first century world of soccer um, they were called Dangerous Darkies do you remember oh, really? them? <laughs> I, had, I had a couple of favourite teams actually from Swaz um, there was a there was a team El Salvador Division 3, I think, was ob- obscure as we got. <laughs> and there was a team in there called Once Lobos, which in Spanish means 11 wolves. <laughs> I like their name. Right. Uh, and there was another Indian team called Nils Paguara. And I think that must have been based in like a Sikh area in, uh, in India somewhere, so in the north probably. And um, <clears throat> there was 16 guys in every squad. But this team had 11 players called Singh. So you could actually, like, by messing around with the squad, you could put out 11 guys all with the same surname. <laughs> and there was Paguara, which I used to love that. His little weird stuff which came out of the game. Yeah. <laughs> it must have taken the age. Did you have somebody to actually type, on, type in all the team names and players? 
Oh my god, you know, we, the reason that SWAS is so good from the data point of view is the person who did the data yes. wasn't anybody. He's a guy called Mike Hammond. Um, he was writing the uh, uh, football yearbook for years, one of the official football yearbooks. Yes. Now he writes for UEFA, the UEFA football yearbook. Um, so it's a bit like the Rothmans manual he was writing, yes. something like that. And uh, when we got the data from him, he just had to transfer his data from his, his book he'd already written into the data format that SWAS needed. Yes. And he worked with one other guy. So Mike did all the data for all the teams in Europe, because he was a European specialist. And he had another guy who worked with him called Serge Van Hoof, who was a Belgian guy. Right. And he did all the teams outside of Europe. So like all the Asian, African, America's teams. Um, yeah, two people, all that data. Wow. <laughs> and real professionals making it, which is why it's so accurate. You know, we, yeah. the data you got, I mean, obviously we're British, so we only know the teams we know. But yeah. no, it, it, the, 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 the amazing thing about SWAS, all these years later, I went to a, a World Cup in Berlin, um, not last year, but the year before, 2013. And uh, everyone's there in their... Polish national swash shirts and the Croatian guys and the Italian guys and it's incredible. It's incredible to see it, you know, and 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 the thing is at that time when we first released it in ninety four, no one was including including teams from Croatia. Yes. In in a game. Or even thinking about it. So all of the care we went to to, to give you your local football where whoever you came from. It's really come back tenfold to us over the years. It was, it was been a really great thing to have done. Yeah, I've spoken. I've spoken to guests before on this show and who, who have picked Central World of Soccer, and, and we've also we've always agreed that um, Central World of Soccer was um, groundbreaking in that respect. As you said, nobody done that. Nobody had all these players in games. Yeah, no, I think it was. I mean, we we did that period when we. We kind of did Megalomania, Cannon Fodder and Swass. Uh, those three games particularly are all groundbreaking. You know, Megalomania was one of the very first God games. It's the first game that had a tech tree. I don't know if you're aware of that. In the, you know, no. um, uh, so that, that's that. I mean, Cannon Fodder is one of the first RTS games. Yeah. Um, and Swass was the first to take a real world of, world of football on that scale and have a management side but then make it playable as well kind of to blend that kind of thing and to replicate a world accurately from the real world sport and um, on that scale uh, but of course at the time we were just making stuff we thought was cool I mean we didn't say yeah let's make an RTS game okay we've made our first RTS game what are we going to call it well, let's call it Cannonfodder we just made a game with a with you know and it just turned into what Cannonfodder is yeah to this day it's still the most playable football game in my opinion especially what I don't like about FIFA for example mm -hmm. pro soccer is the fact that you've got difficulty settings so easy professional legend whatever whereas in Central World of Soccer the, the difficulty came from whoever you were playing against so if you were, if you were playing as Airdrie against Manchester United you didn't need a difficulty level because it's, it's going to be hard well, sure, yeah to be honest I mean in football parlance it's bollocks isn't it yeah. Yeah, um, we did have a we did have a, a button where you could equalise teams. Right. The, so what that meant was that um, 
if you were playing Man United versus Airdrie, yeah. um, and you were playing your mate, and you know you're an Airdrie fan, your mate's a United fan, but you want to have an even game, yeah. you, you'd get the squads, and it would it would kind of squash them so that they they were somewhere in the middle of the two when you played, yeah. uh, just to make it a fair game. But it never, you know, it was only there for that particular, for that particular time. No, you can't suddenly turn Brazil into a team that plays like San Marino. It just doesn't work. Yeah, I yeah. think that I think the football's a language, and I think the strength of Swas is it was accessible to you know loads of people who, time and time again, I've heard these stories obviously for twenty years. People who say I don't normally play football games, but I love playing sensible soccer or Swas. Yeah. Um, but but maybe what those guys would not have appreciated was how much real football was in that game. Yes, it's a football fans game for football fans. Yeah, and it's nice that it was nice that the guys who weren't into football liked it and found it very playable. Well, that's great. The arcade type was good, but you know I was a big Sabuccio fan when I was a kid, and I loved all those real squads and the real you know that kind of stuff about it. I loved the you get the you get the light blue team and it can be Man City or Penarol from Uruguay or Malmo from Sweden. I, to, I love things like that, world yeah. travel and big things. And, and Swartz was always intended to be that for people who just want that reality, you know, and get excited by it. Definitely, definitely worked. And I still play it to this day. Good man. I've got it on, um, I've got it on Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah? Yeah. Um, but it's a I still play. I don't know how much you were involved in that port or anything, but um, it's it's a brilliant port. Apart from the fact that the the the, the player names aren't real anymore, so it's like instead of Alan McCoyst, it'll be Alan McCoyst or Ellie yeah. McCoyst. You know, but it's basically we did that. That was a very very faithful port. Um, so it didn't really require me as a designer to do much. You know, I'm not a programmer, so you know, my my main job was to check it at the end and go, yeah, that's really good. Like they did it all and they said. Okay, we've done it, and I played it, and I went, yeah, that's good, well done. Um, I didn't have to do much there, as opposed to when we did that 2006 version, for example, it was quite a lot more work doing, because it was trying to innovate around it. So then, from a design perspective, there's more to do. Um, I think that the the names, regarding the names, um, we did several versions of names. I know for the Sega version, the names are different from the Amiga version, for example. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm guessing that the, the name database would have been the one with the messed up names. It was. Uh, I was assuming it was maybe like a licensing issue. Yep, sounds like it, or, or, or more like not a licensing issue per se, but a cautious, a cautious issue. So there's yeah. not a licensing issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the caution. One of the things, uh, actually, uh, one of my colleagues um, asked me to ask what. Is your what would be your favourite port uh, port of sensible soccer to like from Amiga? My favourite version is the Amiga version. It's the proper version. Proper version, yeah. I don't do ports. <laughs> Fair days, yeah, definitely, Matt. That that's the one I grew up with as well on the Amiga. Um, I, I, I've heard a lot of people say good things about the XBLA version. Um, I'd, how does it? How well does it play across the internet in terms of speed? On Xbox Live Arcade, it's a bit. It's a bit shaky. This is, you know, the, the the real problem we face at the moment. One of the many problems is 
is we've got all this technology which is meant to be great, but it's so flaky and unreliable. For example, you know, phones that don't work everywhere, Wi-Fi that phases in and out, and frame rates that drop in and out. You know, we, we, the best games are made in incredibly stable environments. Yes. Don't have that variance at all. And um, I think we've got a way to go. I think we'll get there. I think that once we get through the phase where hardware manufacturers stop willy-waving before they're ready to really wave their willy and wait till it's actually working, I think we'll get somewhere. But I think we're in a, we're in a phase at the moment where the provision of broadband and uh, mobile connectivity is just is still in its infancy really yeah that kind of stuff so i think i think once we get to that point where it is but like, on the frame i mean sensible soccer is an on the frame game 60 frames a second yeah uh if you want a game to play like 60 like sensible soccer so multiplayer <laughs> it needs to be 60 frames a second right. guaranteed and with no dropout if we could get to that point then then you know it'd be fantastic what we could do online yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, I've been looking at recently about doing it, and I'm always a little bit nervous about, you know, that's why I'm asking you at the XBLA what you think, because that's probably the best shot that's been given at it so far. It was when I, when I first got it, um, there was uh, you know, to this now I don't think there's many people still play it online. If I'm being honest, but when I first got it, there was a few people on, mm-hmm. maybe maybe a, maybe a couple of hundred. But there's there's basically there's a there's a there's an online high score table on it, and there's people on there that are, there, there must still be people that play it because there's people on there that have got they played like 24, 25,000 games and stuff like that, you know. Mm, like, yeah, but I mean that's you know that's, what you really need is a is a ladder league or something between players and yeah, you know yeah. different league systems, cup systems, and you know it would be it's it's a in 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 that kind of world it's. You have to design around what the technology can and can't do, but a game like SWAS, which is, like I say, so fast and so irritating, if it's not fast enough when you're trying to play multiplayer, yeah. um, that, that that technology needs to be rock solid for that kind of game. Yeah. Yeah. The, only, the only other bugbear with the with the online um, aspect of it is, say for example, right, I, I played maybe about two or three hundred games of it. Um, mm-hmm. Just just in single play mode, but it keeps a score, it keeps a high table. Um, and then I didn't touch it again for about two months, and then I went back to it, and my score had reset. Why? Yeah. Oh, that's a bug. Yeah. That's a bug to me. So I, okay. I'd, I'd get into the top 100 players, <laughs> you know, like on a sensible soccer score, and then I went back on, it was gone. So yeah, that sounds like a bug to me. Yeah. So that's why I know that there must be still people that play it. Online and, and even just like off like offline mode because still people that have got scores of twenty five thousand games played and if they didn't still play it that would disappear so they must still play it. Wow, twenty five that's a lot of games. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, I better get on with the Desert Island games because um, okay. otherwise I'll keep you here all night. <laughs> so have you got? Some games in mind. Have you, do you like to tell me the first one? I have got, got a list. I have got a list, yeah. and we may as well kick off with what we've been talking about because I have put one of my own games in the list, um, and that game is Swass because I'm a big football fan. I'd like to play a football game, 
And the game would also, if I'm on a desert island, remind me that I used to be good at something once, but now I've got a very long beard. Um, and, you know, it would take me a long, 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 long time to complete it because it's so bloody big. So, um, you know, I can have a go at playing with every single team and winning every trophy, and then I can do it as a manager. So, for that reason, and we've talked about SWAS enough, but SWAS is in my list. It's, uh, it's I'm, a, I'm quite a big sports fan anyway. Yes. So, um, yeah, SWAS is in there. Well, I may as well ask, seeing as you picked it as your first game, I may, game, I may as well ask a couple of questions that I forgot to ask, <laughs> yeah. or, or talk to you about, I should say. Is, uh, I, I can't talk about Swoss without mentioning the, the song, the Goal Scoring Superstar Hero. Okay, yeah. Uh, did you, uh, you wrote that? I wrote that, yeah. I wrote uh, that and uh, uh, recorded it with Richard Joseph. Richard was brilliant at taking my songs and arranging them and making them sound uh, good as opposed to like me with the guitar trying to sing um, so yeah no um, Gold Scoring Superstar Hero was a lot of fun actually that was sung by Jackie Reed um, Jackie sung the sung the melody in the end yes um, I've got versions of me singing the early ones that were written uh, we actually we recorded a version for the 2006 one uh, with Richard uh, in the studio Added a couple of verses. Jackie sang it again. There's a little video of it somewhere online, actually. I've seen, I've seen it. I think I've seen it. Um, actually, that reminds me, talking about videos that have come up on YouTube, um, I've seen a brilliant one, and I, I love it. It's one, it's yourself, and you're, you must be at some game convention, and you're up on stage where these guys are playing the Cannon Fodder theme tune with like, different instruments, like, different game pads. Oh wow, uh, that was uh, that was incredible. So I, I yeah. play with this band. Actually, I'm going to plug. I play with this band yeah. called um, Stuck in the Eighties. Stuck in the Eighties. We're playing um, sometime in the summer. God, I don't pay attention to details enough sometimes. I think it's in June. We're playing, and I think it's down in Brighton. I, I don't think it's con- it might, may or may not be connected to develop. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, we we were we were playing in the summer, and we were due to play in. Uh, in Copenhagen we played in Copenhagen which is where that video you're talking about was filmed right. so we turned up in Copenhagen and, and the gig was organised by, by another band that does retro um, game tunes live uh, called Press Play on Tape right. and uh, when we turned up there the Press Play on Tape guys said John come over here and, and they showed me they'd set this special track up as part of their set which was this version of Cannon Fodder on game controllers mm. so I literally turn up and they say, look, we've done this thing. And they played it to me and I went, wow, that's fucking amazing, guys. That's really good. And um, and they said, we just want you to press this thing that goes with the gun. Yeah. Um, and I said, okay. So we did a couple of practices and then um, and then a little while later we did it on stage. They did everything. I just turned up, went, wow, you're amazing. <laughs> played it. And, you know, it was, it was, and it's... Um, but there's certain there's certain points in history. I mean, at the time when you're doing them, you're just getting on with stuff, and then you look back and you go, you know, that was really good that we did that because it's still there on the internet, and yeah. it's still it's still a moment that that like, for example, you just mentioned it then, you know, it's, yeah, it's cool. Some some things you're proud of, and you think, well, wow, that's really good, and that's one of them, yeah. Yeah, bro. No, I was looking. I was actually. I I was I just remembering the, the song one day and I thought I'm going to look it up and listen to it for old time's sake and that's then I came across this I thought this is absolutely brilliant <laughs> so talented the the guys that done that brilliant it's clever isn't it it's yeah. a clever idea yeah it's very very smart if anybody's yeah. not seen it that's listening I'll put a link on the description below and you can go and see it it's brilliant remember that that's from Cannon Fodder and not from Swass which Cannon is Fodder, my, yeah. 
Yeah. Sensible golf. That was a, I loved that theme tune. <laughs> do you want to play golf? That's... Yeah, yeah, I love this. I love the song. Do you want to play golf? Yes. Have you ever seen the video? The vet. Um, I don't think so. There's a golf video which, which everyone is so obscure. None of us know where it is. So I, I, I wish someone could say they've seen that video. Um, the song and the video are much much better than the game, which was crap in my opinion. I'm not happy with sensible golf. Mm. Not my favourite one of our games. A bit rushed. We were a bit overstretched when we made that game. I enjoyed it. it I know what you mean. No, it's it's. You can tell you maybe it was a little bit rushed, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I, mean, I love, I'm, yeah, I love sports, I love golf, um, mm. and to see those little sensible characters walking about playing golf was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, sensible train spotting. Were you were you involved in that? Oh yes, I did all the art and I designed it. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that, that came up in conversation. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think it's maybe the last. I think somebody picked sensible world of soccer. On Desert Island Games and I, and I was doing research and I, and I found this somebody had written or used to written uh, Central Train Spotting as a last hurrah, hurrah, hurrah sorry. Yeah, uh, we kind of did it. We did it for a laugh and it was a last little nod to the Amiga, I think. But you know, we we liked to we liked to do on the Commodore 64. We do like little budget games that like we did something called Galaxy Birds and Oh No and Insects in Space. There's little breathers really in between the bigger games. <clears throat> and, and, and on the Amiga, we we did the we did the cover discs as breathers. Basically, they were like, right, we well, just spent nine months making the game. Let's let's have some fun for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And that's where you get some like train spotting. It was fun. It was good for our relationship with the magazines. Yes. Um, they were very very nice times those days. It was, it, everything was, I guess, in retrospect, we didn't realise. I mean, obviously, we were good at what we were doing, but there were so few people doing stuff that there wasn't this barrage of competition um, that exists now and I think also the environment was very British and you could just add loads of humour into everything yes. people didn't take it with a straight face I think a lot of what we're seeing now is cultures which don't have as advanced humour as us yes. uh, we see that seeping into a lot in what we're doing it's a lot more uh, not just America, a lot of uh, European countries they're not quite as ironic or yeah. weird as us, and, uh, and sometimes I, I find it a little bit dull. Look, yeah. missing that stuff. I don't. Yeah, you agree with me? To, absolutely. Yeah, definitely missing. I like humor. I like humor in everything. That I, I like humor in my music. I like humor in games. I like humor in movies. Whatever. Just mm-hmm. anything that puts a smile on my face, I'm going to love it. In this, in the subtler, the better. Yeah, that kind of not taking yourself very seriously yeah. somehow. That's kind of gone, has gone for some reason at the moment. I'm not saying that people are taking themselves too seriously, but that, that, that there's a kind of, I think it's sensible, we had a knack for being kind of offhand, yeah. an offhand humour, but actually there's quality there. Uh, but, you know, if you like, I don't know, knock up a pretty rough cover with, a, you know, some funny little face on it and a couple of wonky letters and... Uh, but do it in a certain style. Um, people accept it as, as as something good and you know relevant and art. Uh, but it's very cheap on production cost that attitude as well. Yeah. So there's ways of being quite smart in doing stuff within a budget, which is just full of character. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know, sensible like many companies at the time, we never really, we never really 
go over the hurdle when production values went up and up and up and up. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just made games with very small teams that were very good, but we couldn't compete once the production was meant to go up so high we didn't have the capacity or the experience of doing that. Yeah. I, I'll tell you something that I, which I found last week, which I found was quite ironic. Um, I was looking through my YouTube um, analytics, you know, to see... I was looking through, you know, what countries had viewed my videos. I was bored one day, and uh, I noticed I had one, one view from Afghanistan. So, yeah. I, so I clicked on it to look further, and the, the one view from <laughs> Afghanistan was on my Cannon Fodder video. Uh, I don't get a Cannon Fodder gameplay video. Oh, really? And uh, <laughs> I just thought it ironic, ironic that somebody in Afghanistan was looking up a war game. <laughs> kind of wow, why not? Why not? <laughs> And uh, war, war has never been so much fun, indeed. Yeah, war, war was fun for us then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, I better move on to the second game. Yeah, so Swiss is first. Mm-hmm. Now, let me think. What order am I going to do these in? Is there any particular order you want them in? Just whatever order um, you, you want, it's up to yourself. Okay. My second game... My second game is um, is uh, my most played game of all time, right. which I'm currently playing this time on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, today I've been playing it for the last few months. Uh, I had a breather from it for about a year. I've played it on the PC, and I think I've played it on a couple of other formats as well. And that game is Scrabble. Scrabble. Now, Scrabble is a game I've been playing in board format since I was about six. Right. It, it's the game I own. No one is allowed to beat me. <laughs> uh, I'm incredibly competitive with it. Um, and uh, I like playing against a computer because it sharpens my skills up. Uh, Keeps your mind ticking over. Well, I'm good at it, and I, I've noticed I've been playing it a lot recently, and, and actually, I'm still feel, I feel like I'm learning. It yeah. kind of challenges your vocabulary more than anything, Scrabble. But it's just, it's just obviously, it's a classic, one of the classic games uh, yeah. in the world. Um, but yeah, I, I could be nowhere. If I was stuck on a desert island, mm. I know I could play Scrabble for at least a year and a half, solid, <laughs> back to back, before I'd get bored because I've almost done it. So, um, it's a no-brainer for me. And again, it's sharpening my skills. If I if, if if I manage to find someone else at any point, I can I can challenge them and destroy them, which would make me happy. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, you can't beat a bit of Scrabble. I like a bit of Scrabble. Um, yeah, it's a it's a I don't know. I, I I used to play it as a child with my family a lot, so I guess it's got connections back to that as well in some ways. Yeah. Um. But you know, I've, I've just spent. A long time making word games myself recently, but it's very hard to get a formula that beats Scrabble. The way the way it plays out on the board, yeah. the position words, and you know, I do think the way words with friends has totally ripped it off. Oh, I was going to make. I was just about to mention that I've played. I played a lot of words with friends um, on my iPhone, mm-hmm. mainly against colleagues from work and. Uh, my family members. I've not played it for a while, mind you, but um, yeah, oh, it's totally a rip-off of Scrabble. I, I'm, I don't know how you can get away with that, actually. <laughs> uh, from a game designer point of view, I certainly don't know how you can get away with it. 
Um, so for this reason, I'm going with Scrabble, the traditional game I was brought up to play, and not Words with Friends, um, yeah. which is very similar. <laughs> yeah. But on principle, I'm going with Scrabble. I'm sticking with the original... Cool. Alfred Butts was the name of the guy who invented this game. Yeah. And I'm going with Alfred's original version. <laughs> that, that, that actually reminded me of uh, talking about people ripping people off. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously doing it Desert Island Games from Desert Island Disc, but <laughs> um, that sensible train spotting, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but somebody tried to rip that off, didn't they? Sensible Did they? Yeah, there was, there, was a, there was a story. Um, there was a game that came out in. Don't worry, your colleagues know about it. There was a game that came out um, a few years later for the PC, and it was an, almost an exact copy of Sensible Trainspotting. But however it was, it was your colleague, I don't know if it was Chris or somebody else, mm-hmm. they they actually put the co- put that game, they, they got a hold of that game that was a rip-off, they put it on their website for anybody to, anybody to download for free, <laughs> and then they, they put a message on saying, try and sue us. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, I, I thought... I didn't. I thought you might have been aware of that. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I've been. I, I. I don't like to get involved with that kind of stuff. Of course, yeah. It's got no end. It's yeah. what I mean. If someone did something called called sensible train spotting, it would be a problem for me. Yeah. But you know, I mean, look at the app store now. I mean, it, it's rife with games which just copy other games. Yeah. Maybe ninety percent of them are just copies of other games. Bad copies. I mean. It, I think that I think that um, that kind of behaviour is the only thing that serves is for a couple of people who are quite cheap in their mentality to make a little bit of money. Um, it's got no artistic value at all. Um, I'm someone who's you know I'm a game designer. I, I, I look at good design. I look at stuff which is original. Um, yeah, if you can make a bit of money on the side copying someone, then all right. But you know, nothing special, is it? Yeah, yeah. There's a game on the App Store as well called Caveman or Caveman or Caveman, uh-huh. I think. And it's basically lemons. It's in, even when you play it, it's the same levels. It's just replaced the lemons with cavemen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just you know, you got. Hundreds of thousands of people making apps now, and you know most of them aren't there because they're particularly creative. They're there because they think they can make some money from it, or because they're quite happy to make games like a band will just do a couple of cover versions, yeah. basically. Uh, that's the limit of their aspirations. Yeah. Uh, whether that should have the same stage on the app store as proper game makers making amazing stuff, and there are a lot of amazingly good young developers out there at the moment. Yeah. Whether they should be allowed to be on the same stage as them is, is another market. Personally, I don't think they should. Mm. Personally, I think people are very scared about discrimination because they think it's bad, but art's always been about discrimination. Yes. And uh, most people only want the quality and they don't want to look at the crap. And Yeah, you can say it's all subjective, but I mean, you really don't want uh, 30,000 scribbles from infant school in the National Gallery, yes. and then to say, well, it's subjective as to whether it's crap or not, you know, because, I don't know, because we're, 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 we're moving in a strange time at the moment where, where, and I think it's temporary, where, uh, where people don't seem to mind about replication at all. I mean, look at X Factor. 
yeah. in X Factor, you do get the odd good singer, you get a lot of bad ones, you get the odd good one, but they they almost never sing their own songs. For oh, example, totally, totally. I mean, it's you know, that's not really that on the on the scale of one to ten of being creatively amazing. It's not really up there. You know, the, the public. We've allowed the public to talk about their taste and somehow allowed the public to talk about what they can include themselves in as being the most important thing. And I'm, I don't think that, I think this idea that it's okay to focus on stuff that you yourself could be making as like being really top quality entertainment, it's a bit weird. Mm -hmm. It's only really recently people have thought like this. Yeah. You know, I mean, they wouldn't like be picking me and you and sticking us in, you know, to go out and play for Liverpool on Saturday, would they? It's because we fancy. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. It's just a bit, something a bit weird about it. To not accept yeah. that you're not good enough to join the party. And and, 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 and and this is why we're getting all this replication, because we invite everyone to the party. Go on, then you can make something. It's like, uh, uh, actually, I haven't got any original ideas of my own anyway. Yes. Okay, well, I'll copy something. So they end up copying something, and it ends up being a shit copy of something. But the original was better anyway, and it's like, well, what's the point of that? Yes. I don't know, but at the moment, it seems to have some value somewhere. I, I don't see it. I see it as value for the, their personal development, but not to put on a public, in a public forum to be purchased as if it were good. Well, I mean, this show here, Desert Island Games, is recently a rip-off of Desert Island Discs, but, but first thing is, um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not for profit, it's just, you know, some guy chatting to people um, second of all it, it's good for, for us in the YouTube community us guys it's, it gives um, it gives some of these guys some exposure and, and allows them to gives them a platform to talk about their favourite games so yeah, it's, it's all a bit of fun you know mm -hmm. so, so yeah, and also you're, you're Desert Island Games and not Discs so that is different <laughs> it may be it may be subtle but there is a difference there somewhere yeah Right, so, yeah, the second game on the list is Scrabble because it's um, my favourite game of all time. Sure. So, what's number three? Now, which one am I going to give? Smalls, Scrabble of God. I think I'm going to kind of give them almost in the order that I think I played them. Okay. So, that would put Scrabble first before Swarz. Right. Um, the next game, I don't remember which. I've got two games that I got so sim such a time near to each other. I can't remember. I think this one's first. So, Heroes of Might and Magic. You know that? Heroes of Night and Magic. I'm afraid I don't know the game, so you may have to um, educate me a bit. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. So Heroes of Might and Magic is a kind of turn-based game where you've got these, this this um, hero mm -hmm. who, who has uh, conceptually got a whole army with him and he's moving along hexed ground um, picking up it's like an early um, it's like an early massive adventure game really uh, moving around picking up resources uh, going back to a castle, building stuff, 
getting more armies, going out and fight, fighting enemy knights and things, trying to take their castles over, that kind of a game. Right. Um, it's got a huge amount of different uh, graphical styles, ranging from paladins and things like that to uh, uh, kind of like a graveyard one with ghouls and wraiths and bone dragons and um, lots of different kind of you know orcs and stuff like that so different kind of worlds really um, but ostensibly fighting using the same thing uh, it's it was I don't know who developed it I know that the um, Ubisoft have been publishing it at some time I don't know if they published it all the time I've, I've got it in front of me actually on the Wikipedia my Wikipedia is my friend. <laughs> uh-huh. um, let's see. So, yeah, the franchise um, owned by Ubisoft, uh, they developed the first game in the series since the changeover. Oh. And my favourite one in the series, and the one I'm the one I'm picking is Heroes of My Magic Three. Right. Can you find that? Yep. Yep. That's nineteen ninety nine. Sound about right. Yeah. Now that was um, developed by that was New World Computing, New World Computing, mm-hmm. and published by the 3DO company. Okay, sounds about right. Yeah. And, and and the reason I love this game, it's just got stupendous level design. I mean, you play against these massively long battles, and they'll take you days and days and days and days to to win. And the balancing of the difficulty is just so amazing, you know. You, you you go back, you nearly win, you try something else, you go back again. It's one of those games, you know? It's one of those games where you try, you fail, you go back again. And you just about, in the end, just about manage to get get through and then you, you know, you discover new, you know, you just keep on winning these different individual campaigns, really. Uh, you're trying to win it all, but I just like the whole environment of it. I don't know what it is I like about it, but... I, I played it for many, many years, this game. Yeah. Um, it was one of those ones you play all through the night, yeah. So, uh, I would imagine you would have be, you'd be able to um, fill up some time on your desert island playing this, um, take up a lot of your time. Yeah, I, I've, I've picked games, right, so far I've picked Swass, which is going to take me a bloody long time to play it all. Mm-hmm. Scrabble, which is a never-ending game. Um, Heroes of My Magic 3, which is an enormous game with so many different campaigns and things to play. Um... These three games alone could keep me entertained for quite a few years because I really love all of them and um, and they're all very very big. So yeah, good thinking. Yep. So I'm really happy with all these three. And I kind of like I noticed from my list I gear a little bit towards more fantasy style of games. If I'm if I'm picking, uh, I'm not that big into you know certain other types of games, but I. I those kind of fantasy type of games, which Heroes of My Magic, you could consider to be an early version of the the bigger fantasy games, which came a little bit later. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's uh, I love it. It's kind of like a mixture of uh, it's almost like chess. It's, 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 it's a it's board game based in its origin. Yeah. And it's 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 stunningly good. Yeah. Well, I've got some news on that actually. Um, I've just. Obviously, just from looking at Wikipedia there. Um, mm. there's, there's a HD edition of this game coming out for iOS on the 29th of this month. Oh, good. Well, yeah. Three? 
My Magic yep. 3. Yep. Fantastic. I don't know how you play it on iOS. God, I could lose a lot of time on this on my phone. Yeah, it was coming out worldwide on the 28th of January, so um, hmm. I don't know how it would. I don't know how it would work on on iOS, but obviously they've they've caught with something, so it should be good. The big problem with with, with iOS conversions is screen real estate. Yeah. They're just too small to show stuff that needs writing on it. Um, th this is the biggest challenge to to re to redo menus and hard. Is, the, is actually the harder bit than the game itself often. Yeah. But let, let's see let's see how they do. It's a, it's a game where you've got all the time in the world. It's a very turn-based um, game. It's kind of a theme with the number of the games I've picked, actually. I like turn-based, but it's always your turn, like Scrabble. Yeah. Scrabble against computer, it's always my turn, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so Heroes of My Magic, fantastic game. Um, that is definitely, definitely in... And I know, I know, I was working in Poland for years. I know it was very, very popular in Poland. There's certain countries where this game is, is hugely popular. I don't know why. That's, that's, that's weird, yeah. It's a weird one, but I heard several Polish people tell me they love the game as well. Cool. Um, so, if, we'll move on to um, game number four. Well, game number four, which I think must have come out before this, because you said that was 99, here is my Magic 3. I might have been thinking about an early one. But game number four is Mario Golf for the N64. Uh, I do know about this one, <laughs> Mario Golf. Uh, so a big, I take it you're a big golf fan then, then, yeah. I used to play a lot of golf. Actually, my back is really crap now, which comes from working with computers too much, and, and that's the reason I don't play golf more. And I'm still focusing on playing football at the moment. I still do play football. In fact, I played football last night. I'm oh, sorry, tonight. I played football. And I can feel a little bit of an ache in my hip at the moment from it. Oh um, but yeah, I, I um, me and Chris went through a big phase of playing golf. Chris, who ran sensible with Chris Um But yeah, Mario Golf. I just like it because it's just so faultless. I mean, I would say of all the development companies in the world, Nintendo are probably my heroes. Certainly, Miyamoto as a designer is my hero. Um, and it's just so slick everything every single detail in that game is perfect you find me one thing wrong with it everything is looks sharp in the right place on the screen there's never any lag for waiting for anything for a second to load um, that the courses and the difficulty balancing is again perfect in this game so like I said in Heroes of My Magic, the level design is perfect, it's just stunning. Mario Golf 2, very different kind of game. And then there's just amazing things, like you're playing the game, you've been playing it for months and months and months and months and months, and you're trying to beat the various opponents and courses and stuff. <clears throat> then you hit a tee shot on the 17th hole, and it says, well done, this is the longest drive you ever hit on this hole. And you go, ding, well done. It's like it remembers everything. Yeah, yeah, and, and it and it presents it just so in such a beautiful way. Uh, it really keeps that banter of Mario Golf Sixty was everything I wanted sensible golf to be, and everything it wasn't. If I'm honest, it's got the humour, it's got the banter between the characters. Um, it's it just it just really manages to 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 to, to, to nail a lot of things, uh, and the. 
different ways to play the courses, so you can play it one way, then you can try doing something another way. Every hole you're thinking, should I risk that shot or should I do this shot? And you're always trying to ho home in on your target to win the gold cup in the end for each course. Yeah, and yeah. that final bloody course, I can tell you, I played for three months solid to win the final gold cup, without <laughs> everything else. And I got within one stroke of the winning it, and then two, and then three, and then back to one, and then two. But I couldn't win it. And I, I still haven't bloody won this. Oh, God, thing. It's one of those games which I'm I'm 0.01% away from completing it, and I just can't do it. And I tried for a long, long, long time, three months solid, but on and off for a year and a half, um, which tells me it's a perfectly balanced game. Yes. Because it's, it's just got me, just in that final edge, I can't get over it. And uh, um, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's giving me so much entertainment. I, I, I like playing with all the different characters. Um, I don't know, what can I say? It's, it's, uh, I could have added a few more Nintendo games in this list. Um, but it's, it's just a brilliant, brilliant game. At least if you don't have... Unless you're on a desert island stranded with this game, you'll get, maybe get that opportunity to finally complete it. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that is one of the main reasons. It's, it's one of my unfinished um, things, yeah. uh, which will become a thing as we go on. <laughs> yeah, it will give me an, a, a chance to finish something I haven't finished. It, you just um, you also preempted what I was going to ask, and you said... Um, this was everything you wanted Sensible Golf to be. That, that, that's, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, um, is this the kind of what you were in for when you were making Sensible Golf? This was, what was in my, this was what was in my head. I mean, when we went through development, we we made some silly decisions with Sensible Golf. We, we, we ran it through the cannon fodder engine, mm -hmm. um, which was sensible in terms of doing it quickly, but limited what we could do with it. I wasn't happy. We couldn't do as much animation as I wanted. We couldn't get all the different players on the screen bantering with each other in the way I wanted. What I wanted was like people taking the piss out of each other when they hit a bad shot and stuff. Right. Uh, and for, for many reasons, we couldn't do that in the end. We didn't. We couldn't do it, you know, easily technically, and then we didn't have time. And it was all a bit of a shame, really, because it, you know, it was nice to see, you know, Mario Golf was. Well, when I saw this Mario Golf was after when we were doing sensible golf. Uh, do you know what year this was? Um, I, I'll, I will tell you in two seconds. I had to screen up a minute ago, but um, I closed it down. Right. Mario Golf, Sensible... Sensible Golf. <laughs> Nintendo 64 mm. uh, version was released in UK in 1999, September 14th, 1999. Oh, yeah, OK, yeah. So it was... It was... It was... To give us a little pat on the back of being ahead of our time, or at least the idea ahead of its time, it was five years after Sensible Golf. <laughs> um, and that was the idea of what Sensible Golf was meant to be. I'd, uh, li I'd like to think that somebody was playing Sensible Golf and decided we were going to make that game what it should have been. Yeah, no, because they could, <laughs> from the shit that we actually produced, have actually um, deduced these ideas that they executed so well. I'm afraid we can't claim any inspiration of the office of Nintendo, Mr. Miyamoto waking up in the middle of the night and going, Sensible Golf, that's what I need to make, but with Mario in it. <laughs> I don't think that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that, 
I guess um, what you're saying there, if they, you can get the, the characters on screen, taking the mic out of each other. I guess that's where the little bits of commentary came from. Then, like after you would, if you got a, if you see you when I played it, it's like mm-hmm. I get a six over power, for example, and a, a voice would come up saying, "For well, 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 this like or <laughs> something crazy like that." Yeah, yeah we got, um, we got some bits of speech in, and you yeah. know we always had speech in our games because Richard was so good at that stuff, but it just. It was just a little nod and a little hint, but it was, it was, it was meant to be a lot more in the game that you're out in a group having a game and they'd be ripping you as you you went around the course and you know a bit more banter, a bit more humour with the interaction with the ball, with the environment even like the squirrel coming out and stealing it and all those kind of things. So there's just it's it's dry. Sensible golf is a functional dry delivery of a game. It looks like it's from a developer that's not sensible software. Yeah. Which is why I didn't like it. Whereas Mario Golf is screaming Nintendo all over it. It's brilliant. Fantastic. How many courses did Mario Golf have? I think there were six or seven. Um, yeah, six or seven. I, I remember in Sensible Golf that there was so many courses, but a lot of the holes were repeated. So it was like... You might so, so hole fourteen from Las Vegas might be hole nine in a different course, for example. Yeah, or it'd been mirrored, or it'd been yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so <laughs> nothing clever about that stuff, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's all they did, nonetheless. Mind you, to, to, to be fair, sensible um, world of soccer, we did replicate the pitch quite a lot all around the world. <laughs> well, there's no way of doing that, I suppose. <laughs> I, I, I always fancied a, an, an idea of crossing a couple of your games, like, like, um, say for example, cannon fodder. You're playing cannon fodder. You're out shooting people. Then all of a sudden, just to relax, you go for a game of golf, like, you know, within the same <laughs> game. You know, there's one game which actually I've considered making for um, for iOS. I did a few years ago, anyway. Um, we did cannon soccer once as a cover disc. Have you seen that? That's, yeah, that's yeah. like sensible soccer, but the ball's a, a grenade and it blows up and the and, and the the players die and all the players are dressed as soldiers. Was that but, not a, was that not like a Christmas special or something for the yeah the it, it was, something like that? And I, I, I'd consider that as being a quite a fun game to do for yeah. you know for mobile now. Um, yeah, but you know, I can't tell you how much I how much I rate Nintendo for their slickness. Uh, I, th- I think a lot of a lot of people trying to make games at the moment and thinking they're clever and you know just getting out some functional but rather dry thing. Yeah. Uh, go and look at what Nintendo have done for years to add life, humour, and and professional slickness to their games and try and learn. Would be my advice to a lot of younger people at the moment. Um, not just Nintendo. There are lots of other people who do it, but particularly consistently from year one to now they've made very very few mistakes in this game Mario Golf and I might say there's another game which I absolutely love which didn't quite make my list um, it's Pokemon Snap which is around about the same time you played that? I'm not a Pokemon fan unfortunately right yeah. Pokemon Snap is nothing like Pokemon it's, it, and it's a brilliant game it's about taking photographs of animals. Right. Uh, it's very clever, and uh, it very, very, very nearly made my list, but it didn't make my list. 
Hmm. That, that sounds, yeah, that sounds quite intriguing, actually. Hmm. I'll look that up. Pokemon Snap. For a minute, yeah. I, for a minute, I thought it was a card game. <laughs> Pokemon Snap. You sit, you basically you go through like an environment. I don't know, like I don't know, uh, a bit of forest with a river and some stuff. Yeah. And you go on a on a on a little train track. You just sit in a train car the whole time. Move like a bit like the Pinocchio ride at Disneyland. Yeah. You just sit in this train and go through this environment. But as you go through the environment, the different Pokemon animals kind of something swimming in the water, something's flying through the sky, or you know, hiding in a bush. And uh, you've got a camera; you can take photos of them. You, you've, but you've got to try and entice them with by using a whistle or giving them apples or scaring them. You've got to entice them to come out of the bushes, and when they come out they start to see stuff and go over and interact with it or with each other indeed and and they'll come closer to you so you can get closer shots of them or doing interesting animations behaviour they don't normally do and stuff then you get rewarded for how good your photo is at the end to reach the animals it's really it's a superb little game that sounds alright actually yeah it's alright it's, it's, it's a definite recommend it's, it's the same period as, as Mario Golf 64 but it, 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 the, the different thing, the thing is with it, you can complete it more easily. It's, it's aimed at slightly younger people than me, shall we say. <laughs> but I was playing it with my kids, and in the end, I played it on my own. One of those games. Yeah. Cool. So I think we're on to five now, number five. Game number five. Right. I think there is argument to say this is the best game anyone's ever made. I think there is no argument it's the most addictive game ever made. I would include myself in the list for a while. And that is World of Warcraft. Uh, I, I know a few I, I know a few World of Warcraft fans, um, some of my colleagues. <laughs> Casualties. <laughs> well, one of my um, one of my friends on here um, through Retro Man. Uh, yeah. website is um, a guy called Chris Ashanked and he actually met he's got his his wife on World of Warcraft. He's married to somebody they met on World of Warcraft. <laughs> so so I mean the reason I love this game was because it's just so jaw droppingly different when I first saw it. At least I hadn't played anything like it. Yeah. Uh, the scale of it, the immersion of it, the perfect um, from a game design perspective, the the perfect gap between just one twenty minute goal away. When I was playing it, I felt like I was watching a, a never ending cricket match. Like, yeah. and I go right now. I've got to get on with some work, but I'm just gonna wait. I'm just gonna wait until that guy gets a fifty, and then I'll go. <laughs> and then it, it, he's just about to get his fifty. Like, hang on, they're about to get a hundred partnership. Yeah. Maybe I'll just maybe I'll just stay for a while, and then you get someone's got some record, the biggest ever whatever it might be, you know, or some guy who's been bowling really badly starting to look good now and he's had a bad series and maybe this will get him back into the game or, you know, or there's just so many reasons why you keep on having other landmarks coming up that you're just going to wait there 15 minutes away before you actually get up off the settee and do something. Um, I think World of Warcraft is this kind of game. It's, it's always giving me a reason why you're not going to go to bed now, because in 15 minutes' time you'd, you'd have achieved this. It yeah. perpetually keeps you in that situation. It's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant balancing of, of the game. So, yeah. so um, 
you know, in my case, I got to level 30 of World of Warcraft and banned myself from playing it. Just, just, just delete. I'm not going to go back there anymore. <laughs> um, so you're not going back to? No. All right. No, it was. It was. Um, it's a game that you. It's all or nothing. You're in or you're out. And uh, right. and, and, and I loved playing it when I was in, into it. But it's a game that that um, I couldn't really function or work. Mm. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't maintain my the other bits of my life. And you know, like you, I've I've. I work with a couple of people who have been serious, serious addicts. I mean, I, yes. I work with a guy um, who who just split up with his girlfriend, he's, and he's playing World of Warcraft almost to get away from his feelings about that. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know why I laughed at that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, weird. it's weird, and, and and he just grew his hair really. His hair was like relatively short. He just grew his hair really, 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 really long. Never cut it and never stopped playing World of Warcraft all the time. For a period of about two and a bit years. And I saw him uh, recently, within the last year, and actually, you know, he'd cut his hair off. It was relatively short again. And he was, he seemed so much happier. He was out of this, like, addiction to World of Warcraft phase. Uh, and he's not the only guy. I know another guy I work with in a totally different company who got exactly the same thing. He was playing it. Every night he was playing it at work and lunch break, just every spare moment he had. Um, no game has been this addictive, to my knowledge, to so many people. Yeah. Well, Do you know? I, I, I would say that I've been I've had a similar addiction, but to um, Championship Manager or Football Manager. Uh huh. It's just um, that, that that at one point took over my life. <laughs> I, I, I'm like you. I had to stop. I had to stop. After I was like no more, you know, because it's. I need to go there and do things with my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I, I don't know, I don't think, I don't, I'm not aware of anyway, um, that the volume, the scale of people that have been addicted to a game before. And it's because of this, this structure of, it's always promising you're a wall 15 minutes away and it's so massive. Um, so yeah, World of Warcraft, it's not particularly an original choice, but I'm going for the, Games that I like and I admire, and this is well, one of them. It might actually be the first time it's been picked on this. Really? I'll have to listen, but Chris Shanked, the guy I was telling you about earlier on, that got my to get away on there, may have picked it, but apart from that, no, I don't think it's been picked. So. That's kind of a bit weird. Why yeah. wouldn't... People... The most picked game so far would have been Tetris, I think. Or uh, Legend of Zelda. A lot of people pick Legend of, uh, Legend of Zelda. I never really got into Zelda. It's not really a game I really got into to to, to talk about. Me neither. <laughs> okay, so let's say uh, what's game number six. Well, now we're getting to more recent games. Um. Game number six is something which every every year I tend to, to do stuff uh, with uh, BAFTA, which is uh, I've been chairing the jury every year. You know, so you might see I don't know the award for best sound in a game or best sports game or best game design or best family game. These are all different um, awards that I've I've chaired the jury for. And when you, when you do that, um, 
you you know you get to look at up to normally up to about twelve of kind of the best games that year, which you have to you look at in order to make sure that when you come to the the stage where you're choosing which game's going to win, you know you've got an opinion on each game. Uh, and what I found is over the last few years, um, it's amazing the different kind of games that I've seen, and some of them are very like predictable. It's just the same kind of games again and again and again, year after year. It's the same game, but it's called nine at the end instead of eight like it was the year before um, but this game is something which as normal when you know when when uh, when, you're, when I'm doing this there's always one or two of the games that I just want to keep on playing I don't want to go on to the next one and look at that now I haven't finished the other one yet you know you start yeah. to play like a player and uh, the next two games I'm going to name are are like this mm. um and, and this one is, uh, is is also very, very similar to my previous game. Uh, so I'd experienced it with a gap of about eight years between the two games. And the game is Skyrim. Ah, uh, yeah. That's been picked before, that. So, I mean, in my, in my mind, Skyrim was a, was, a, was a slightly aesthetically more pleasing, better version of what, almost like how... How I played World of Warcraft is kind of how I play Skyrim anyway, pretty much, uh, in terms of my approach to it, you know. Um, but I like the fact that I could level my character up and get a house and do all sorts of stuff in there and become insanely good at making potions and crap, which I ended up with in the end. Yes. And, uh, um, I love the fact that you can pick flowers. You can ride around in horseback in the snow, for example, and feel like you're really riding a horse in the snow, and then just stop, go off, pick a few flowers or whatever, and chuck them in your bag and take them home and make something with it. I mean, it's just incredible. You can do that with this game. Everything seems to go somewhere. And, and you know, the again, what's particularly good about this game is the way that all the different missions and all the different things that exist there, they coexist happily in, in many ways, it's kind of like a GTA type structure really sitting underneath Skyrim yeah um, and uh, I really like it, you know, I mean you've seen from um, Heroes of My Magic and World of Warcraft and Skyrim, I like this kind of fantasy world thing, something about that appeals to me, more than something like GTA um, but structure wise it's, in many ways, it does remind me of that, and I, I kind of like these. Like I, as I said to you earlier, I like big world games. Yeah. And I think Skyrim is a very, very big world. Um, and this was a game which I definitely didn't want to stop playing. I stopped purely because I had to get on with life, and work. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't because I was leveling up in the case of Skyrim. It was just that I was loving the exploration. There's just so much to discover. Yeah. I never got bored of it really. Um. So, and the fact that you can play from so many different perspectives, you can do so much different stuff. Um, it looks beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it was such a, a landmark game when it was released in terms of what else in that kind of genre was around it. Um, so, yeah, Skyrim. Yeah. And I defy anyone to argue with Skyrim being a list of games and the Desert Island. 
it's been picked. It's been picked numerous times as well. I have to admit um, that um, or Oblivion has also been picked a few times. Yeah. Which is a predecessor, isn't it, Oblivion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, sorry. Well, I'm just looking at my list. I mean, I'm looking at Swoss, Scrabble, Heroes of Might and Magic, Mario Golf, World of Warcraft, and Skyrim. The, you know, I'm not even sure if I need two more games. This, these are going to take a lot of my time up. Yeah, it depends how long you're on the island, I suppose, doesn't it? I mean, has anyone completed Skyrim? Can you complete it? Is there such a thing? I don't suppose there is. I don't think you can. No, I think it's infinite. It's just so so massive. I must admit, I've not actually played it. It's, it's actually top of my list of games I, I want to play this year. You've not played it? No, I know. And actually, I've seen, I've seen some videos, of, I've seen some gameplay of it um, recently, and it... It just looks. I, I don't know how this game's managed to pass me by. It looks amazing, and you're right. It does almost have a Grand Theft Auto feel behind it, but or maybe possibly done better. I mean, I don't know. I've not played it, but it looks. It looks brilliant. You know, going about in, in your horse and. You wander around. You get on a horse. You go in a castle. You find a door, and suddenly, right, you're in some weird fantasy world, and you're in the middle of someone's dream, and then you. Wonder when you get this weird dream stick thing from them. Yeah. Then when you come out of the dream and out of the castle in the real, real, weird world, mm-hmm. you can really keep the dream stick and use it in the, the real game. You know, and this, this is just one example of yeah. bizarre stuff. It's there's just there's just so much in there. It's uh, you know, it, sometimes sometimes I find it a little bit occasionally. I get sad that having never been in in the situation to have such a massive budget to make a game like this, you know, from a designer point of view, just someone says, right, here's the team, here's what we're going to do. We know it's a lot of money, but we don't care. Off you go, yeah. you know. Occasionally, when I look at games like Skyrim, I think, I wish I could have been given that chance with that huge team and that huge budget to try and do that. Um, but, you know... These guys set the benchmark very, very high. It's, it's a truly amazing game. It's great. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it's, it's I suppose it's changed times. I mean, but if you if you had the, the option, would you would you like to have started out a little bit later? Would you like to have been in your in your heyday now? If you know no, I mean, the only frustration I have in my career is that. Um, the eyes of America weren't on what we were doing when we were doing it. You know, uh, that's the it. Yeah, I think that had we got the sales in the States, um, that our IPs would have been, continued to be valued a little bit more. Uh, historically, it would have been remembered a bit more. I mean, I now find every American person, I'm able to explain to them who I am and what I've done, because they just don't know, you know. Um, so, in that in that respect, I'm a bit frustrated, but... No, I mean, God, I mean, what we had at Sensible, 13 years, seven number one games, we made quite a lot of money, uh, I can't complain about any of it, it was absolutely brilliant, the whole the whole thing, you know, we made really good stuff, we were very innovative, we had a lot of freedom, no one told us what to do, on any level, I think that the modern era has been riddled by money men interfering with the creative people, um, we never had any of that shit, basically, to worry about. And that's why we we were able to make the kind of games we, we did. We were very lucky 
to be backed by a lot of good publishing companies and a lot of good people champion, championing us within those companies. And uh, maybe it's stuff which people aren't so aware of, but it's very important. You know, you, you'll be sitting there making something as bizarre as WizKid, for example. Have you played WizKid? I've, I've, I must admit, I've not played it. I, I may have played it briefly, so I apologise. <laughs> That's all right. WizKid, WizKid is like off the scale weird, basically. Yeah. And uh, but Gary Bracey, um, he, he championed us, he championed our game with Ocean. He got it through. They never questioned stuff. They still kept on paying the money, you know. Those kind of people that inside organisations which champion the work of the development companies do a great service to development companies. And uh, to an extent, that that's kind of what's gone missing uh, in, in recent times. It's people who do that, who see themselves in that publisher role. <clears throat> because good, good creative people still need looking after and protecting... It's true of the current generation of developers as well. Yeah. And they don't just need a bit of money and to be made to feel grateful that they've got a bit of money and they can do it, which I, I sometimes feel that it's the vibe I get from people now. You know, if you're a really, really, really talented, good, creative person, um, the other people should be grateful that you're working with them. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and I, uh, you know, the in, in the States where... I think Skyrim was made in the States. Who made Skyrim? Remind me. Um, <laughs> Hold on, I need no, to it's Bethesda game. I, I, know, I should know this because it's been picked so many times. Or... I should know because I've played so much. <laughs> oh, it's gonna, it's gonna, I'm going to kick myself when I see this. It's Skyrim, Skyrim. There'll be people screaming at their... Elder Scrolls. Elder Scrolls, Skyrim... Oh, I've looked up this in Skyline. <laughs> Skyline, by mistake. Hold on. Skylanders. Skylanders is cool. Is it Oblivion? Oblivion is... No, Oblivion is the, the predecessor uh, game. Uh, Elder Scrolls, Oblivion... So Elder Scrolls is it either one. Ah, it's... It's... Beef... Beef... Beef Game Studios. Oh, it was... Oh, it was Bethesda, but it yeah. was also their studio. I knew it was a Bethesda game. They published it, so they developed it as well. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so, you know, Bethesda, big company, yeah. uh, but they've really got it right and they've made some great stuff. You know, good creative work comes from so many different sources. Yeah. It can come from a very corporate environment as well. as a very non-corporate environment. So, yep, Skyrim's in there. And play it, play it, play it. Ride a horse around in the snow. Well, I've actually, I've got Oblivion, but I've not got Skyrim. And it's so cheap, you can go into CEX and pick it up for £7 now. So, uh, I will pick it up and I will play it. Because um, I've seen so many great videos of it that I want to play it now. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Yep. What was that? Number six? Was that number six? Yeah. I always lose count. (laughs) Um, So, what's number seven? Now, I've got two left. I've got to decide which one I'll give you last, because I've got a feeling these games were released almost at the same time. Right. Again, much more recent games. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go for the only kind of like... When people talk about games quite often these days... They only mean these type of games, often. 
Now, these, these are the type of games that traditionally I'm not massively into, but this is <coughs> another game which I played from uh, going through the BAFTA list of games that were nominated. And it's just so good. And it's from last year, and it's called The Last of Us. You know The Last of Us? I've played it, yeah. I've played it. It's a fantastic game. Uh, this is another game. The main reason I'm going to take it is because, and this gives you an indication of my lifestyle. Mm. I've completed that game to about 51, 52%. Right. Uh, and I've been playing, it's the only big game I've been playing all year. Because between, now I'm in my, like, uh, playing loads and loads and loads of these 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 big games um, for my BAFTA evaluation. I'm in the middle of that right now. Okay, right. and then then I have a break and then I'll go off and I'll do a lot of my work and the kind of games I'm going to be playing are going to be a little bit more casual because that's kind of what I've got time for when I'm travelling around and stuff. Yeah. Um, but when I've been coming home, I'm, if there's a game I want to put on on a console, I'll put on The Last of Us to keep on trying to complete it. But I'm still not completed it one year later because of the lack of time I generally have to do this kind of stuff. Um, so I've only got about 55% of the way through it, 53, 52-something. Um, but it's just so brilliantly, brilliantly executed. I mean, it, the way it merges narrative with action, the way it uses music and sound effects, uh, the characters are very, very strong and relevant. It's not overplayed melodrama. There's a genuine drama. There's genuine curiosity as to what the underlying plot is and concern for the characters and um, the, the the clicker monsters with that clicky sound they make. They're just incredible, you know. They are they are my definite highlight of games from from that that last year anyway. That the year was then um, because. How can you turn a sound effect like that into a major game feature in that way? It's brilliant. So, um, you know, it's won lots of awards, and rightly so. The, the, the performances by the actors are really good. Um, it's I'm not overly in love with this kind of format of game, the kind of run around, shooting people, getting to the next place, narrative drew and kind of stuff. I'm not a big fan of this in general. Um... Which is weird, and like I said, a lot there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, games that follow this kind of construction from a design point of view, yeah. uh, which veer sometimes more heavily towards combat, sometimes much less towards combat. And I hear everyone raving about them. You know, every year there's three or four different ones. And I'm like, I try it, and it's like I don't really get it. I don't really get why people are into this stuff so much. You know, it's you know, um, it's construction-wise, design-wise, yeah. uh, Tomb Raider isn't that different. You run around, you jump on things, you occasionally fire a gun, you talk to people, you collect stuff. It's the same thing, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I think like a, a structural game designer, and it's, it's been my job for so long, I can't unthink that. And... Um, I can't get excited about these games from the, from that kind of, you know, I don't know. Compared to like when we first did Cannon Fodder and stuck people in a group and started to invent RTS games, it's not very exciting, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. But the quality of The Last of Us, the, in these games it's all about uh, 
execution and uh, doing things well. And it's on so many levels, this game is just utterly brilliant. Uh, and everyone seems to agree. It's one of those games where everyone goes, "Oh yeah, you're right. It is brilliant." Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that because I'm the same as you. I don't. That's not really the kind of games I play either. But I mean, I, I put on. I, I eventually bought Last of Us due to the hype, and um, I put it on. And it's just it's the graphics are beautiful. The, the acting's brilliant. The, the, like you say, the music's amazing as well. So it it does a kind of genre that I don't particularly like. It, but it does it well. <laughs> Yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean it's you know I, I think a lot of a lot of the way people like or appreciate games, I think of them is quite generational as well. I think that um, if if you're being really honest, that uh, as an older generation, now as a getting older generation, yeah. sometimes you look at the the generation under you, and it's easy to criticise it, and it's easy to say. The younger generation kind of they seem to get excited about stuff which is lacking a bit of depth of content. Is yes. would be my criticism. It's like, well, it's not exactly like the Sex Pistols, is it? Or something really interesting when it happened. There seems to be a, an underlying feeling of that lack of real substance. Yes. But I think in the case of The Last of Us, this goes against that. There is real substance in in this game. It's really got something. Um, and I guess again other ga- really good games which didn't quite make my list Heavy Rain would be an example of a similar game in a similar kind of style maybe a bit different but yeah. I thought that was really really good as well um, I like the fact that it could complete it in different ways and that was really well executed mm-hmm. um, but yeah I hope that I hope that those The Last of Us is a kind of an exercise in brilliant production as well as all the other things it does, and it would be great if um, a lot of people, I think Naughty Dog made this game, didn't they? It was Naughty Dog, yeah. Yeah. It would be good if a lot of people could, uh, uh, not that the Naughty Dog guys might want to share it, but teach people how to do stuff like this so it's good, you know? Yeah. So it's, because it's all about subtlety and balancing things properly, and, you know, it's not about one big thing making a brilliant game like this, it's about getting everything right. It's about, a director who deeply understands how everything fits together and slots together. Um, so, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And as everyone said last year, this is the way forward. In these types of games, this is the new benchmark. It was set last year. Yeah. So, um... It was, it's, it was exclusive to um, PlayStation, well, PlayStation 3, and then it got a remake on PlayStation 4. Oh, uh, I'm not a massive platform lover. I mean, they're just machines to me. I'm sorry to be an old Luddite about it, but I've seen so many of them come and go. Um, I like the ones which stick around for a long time so they can generate money for the games for a long time. Because when the platforms die, generally the games tend to die with them. So at least for this one, it's gone to PS4. So yeah. it's bought itself a couple more years of life. Yeah. <laughs> it only <totally> deserves. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. There seems to be a habit of that recently in modern times. Like, you know, newer games getting remade not long after they came out in the first place. Yep. Seems to be the way it's going. But um, it's well worth it because I, I, I want to get it for the PlayStation 4 because I'd imagine the graphics will be even better. I would imagine so. I would imagine so, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, i got to say, it's a game which I, which I do intend to complete at some point. So on a desert island will be a perfect setting. It might not take me 
it might not take me um, all that long relative to um, some of the others to complete, but it'll be very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant game, I must admit. It's very, very atmospheric as well. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if I look at Last of Us and, and Skyrim on my list, they're, they're both very atmospheric. Games. Okay, well, I think we're on to the final game now. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what the last game is? Okay, I'm trying to find out where you're going with this. So you're, you're, it's obviously modern because you're up to date with Last of Us. So it's going to be something. It's going to be something big. Hey. I, I'm going to I'm going to hope that it's Grand Theft Auto Five, but it probably isn't. <laughs> it's something big, but it's something small. Right. It's something incredibly populist, and it's a game that I've played more than any other game in the last year and a half. Right. Um, and it's Candy Crush. Oh, <laughs> well, that's an interesting choice. Yeah, very popular. Uh, is it being on? You had this chosen before? It's not, it's not been chosen, but I know it's a, I know it's an immensely popular game in general because um, most people I know play it. <laughs> it's exactly. Yeah. It's the perfect time killer. It's the one that you pick up when you got five minutes and you go, you know what? You know what Candy Crush is? It's just a therapy tool. It's just nice to drag them candies into lines of three. It's, it's, it's something very uh, psychological about that game. It's nice. It, it feels nice to line up the three candies of the same colour in a row. You know, the movement's nice and it's it's satisfying to do it. Um, I, I actually think Candy Crush Soda, the, the recent one, is uh, not as good as the original Candy Crush, so I want the original one, please. Not the oh. new one. They've made the graphics a bit smaller and tried to be a bit too clever and, and it's lost the simplicity. It's lost the, I want to turn my brain off and just act like a... I don't know, a baby trying to stick a square bits of wood through a square hole. <laughs> Which is what Candy Crush is definitely appeals to that bit of my brain. Um, and I'm sure at some point on the um, the desert island I'm going to not want to, I'm going to want something I don't even have to engage any part of my brain at all. <laughs> and Candy Crush will be my game for that. It's very addictive, isn't it? It's incredibly addictive. You just, It's just a nice... Like I say, it's just a nice activity to do, so you just keep on doing it. You know, it's it's just something something nice about it. I find myself turning to it, and I've done it already. I've had it, got rid of it, put it back again, about three or four times, you know, in the last year and a half. It's, uh, it's whatever it is. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's in theme with quite a lot of the games I've got on here. Um, you know, some games just have it, and this is one of the games that's just got it. Just like The Last of Us has got it, World of Warcraft's got it, Skyrim's got it, you know, Swoss had it, Mario Golf, Scrabble, Heroes of My Magic, you know. Heroes of My Magic maybe is a little bit more obscure. In general, the games I've chosen aren't very obscure, actually. Um, uh, not because I went out of the way to get ones which are well-known, but just these, these are the games I think that I could be stuck with for a long time. And... Uh, be quite happy with being stuck with them. Yeah, because when I did the, the pilot episode of this, um, I just picked my own games, and and I just yeah, I could have found some obscure things to play or games that I hadn't played, but I wanted to I wanted to pick games that I was comfortable with. Exactly. Uh, and, and by the way, Sense of World of Soccer and Cannon Four are way on the list. Good stuff, good man. Because <laughs> that's like games like that, games like Swoss and Cannon Four and Lemons. 
And Lemmings is a brilliant game. Yeah. Agreed. Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Things <laughs> like that. I love it. You know that you know that um Lemmings, uh when we had it internally in the office, yeah. the working name for it was um sorry, Cannon Fire in the office. Yeah. The working name for it was Lemmings with Weapons. Was it really? <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was called Lemmings with Weapons for quite a long time. Before we came up with Cannon Fodder. Yeah. Well, there, you, there you go. No, I did not know that. There you go. Something you know. Yeah. Talking about Cannon Fodder, um, Cannon Fodder 2. Mm-hmm. What, why did that only come out for the Amiga and PC? Like, for uh, I don't know. Sorry. It was that time when everyone thought everything had to be 3D. It was going to that phase. and Maybe the other formats didn't do... Naff old 2D anyway, they wanted shiny, beautiful 3D. Um, I don't know, I mean, we'd have done it for whatever formats that uh, Virgin would have wanted. So I presume Virgin told us, you know, Virgin were brilliant at working out sales and marketing, they're very strong at it, I'm sure they... Yeah, because what I find now is, like, it's easy to to find a copy of Cannon Fodder, like on eBay, for Mega Drive or snares or whatever, and put it in, it's brilliant, but... Hi. <laughs> so, uh, what was the last thing you heard me saying there? Yeah, I was just saying that you asked me about the why did oh, yeah. it came, come out on certain platforms. Um, we'd have just followed the advice of Virgin um, on yeah. as to which platforms they thought we could work on. Um, it was a time when people were, were more wanting 3D games. They were quite new and exciting and stuff, and the... That's probably why some of the platforms wouldn't have wanted a 2D game on them, but some would have still taken them. Yeah. So we'd have put it on all the platforms that 2D was still stronger. Yeah, yeah. Because I love Cannon Fodder 1 and 2, and it's, it's easy to, to play. It's easier to play Cannon Fodder 1 because it, you can find it for like SNES and Mega Drive, what have you, but Cannon Fodder 2, with only been in this day, PCs, for example, these days, I know you've got DOSBox, but it's harder, mm-hmm. it's harder to play old games on PCs now and um, my, I've lost my Amiga so <laughs> so it's not as kind of for it is not as, as, as accessible as the first one but, um, I, I think that you know Cannon for the 2 was the first game I didn't control the design in in Sensible right. so I th- I think it's not as, as accessible for a number of reasons <laughs> if you really want my answer um, I, I, I just mean in terms of Finding a copy of it. <laughs> oh no! Actually, I think yeah. the game itself—it's yeah. just—it's yeah. just—it just moved a little bit away from where Cannon Fodder was. It's yeah. a, but it's a good game. It's not—you know—Cannon Fodder Two is a very good game. Yes. But it's—it's it's not as good as Cannon Fodder One. Yeah. And I've not—I've yeah. I've seen footage of Cannon Fodder Three, but obviously you said it wasn't released, so I wouldn't have played it. But I have seen footage of it. Ah, uh, no, no, you won't have seen the one I worked on. Cannon Fodder Three. There was a Cannon Fodder Three released recently. Developed by a Russian team on the PC. Oh, that's what I've seen then. Right. I designed a game called Cannon Fodder 3 in 1999. Oh, right, okay. Uh, it was due to come out by Codemasters, but for whatever reason it never came out. It was never completed. Ah, alright, I've, I've got my start, because I have seen Cannon Fodder 3, so that must be something completely different from what you've done then. Ah, that's a shame. That's a shame that it didn't. Your the proper sequel didn't come out then. That, that would have been awesome. Well, I mean, from time to time that happens. You know, yeah. it's, it's probably, as I say, it's probably happened to me about three, four, five times in my career. 
designed quite a big game that's not actually made it. It's always the most disappointing thing that can happen to a game designer. But you just got to live with it. Indeed, indeed. Okay, did did you have time to pick a book and a luxury item? I certainly did. Right, okay, we'll go over the book first. Okay, so the book I've picked, and to be honest, I read this book once. I don't remember a huge amount of details about it. Mm. But, um, unfortunately, the author of the book, uh, who is my favourite author, is no longer with us because he recently passed away, and that is um, Ian Banks. Right. You know, have you read Ian yeah, Banks? Book? Yes, yeah, I remember him passing away, yes. That's sad. So Ian Banks is, is this huge literary hero of mine, and in, in my opinion, one of the, the finest of this generation of British authors, uh, representing the kind of values I have as a person. Uh, I like I like his uh, eccentricity, his imagination, his use of English, uh, the way he can just throw anything in from anywhere that can be really weird and bizarre sometimes and somehow manage to pull it off and cohesive with the plot. Um, and the novel I've chosen... Is a novel called Complicity. Right. Now, he wrote a lot of decent books. I prefer the Ian Banks ones, not the Ian M. Banks sci-fi ones, but the actual just regular novels that Ian Banks did under his name like that. Um, and Complicity, of all these novels, and there's many of them, and I like nearly all of them, is the one I like best. Um, I'm struggling to remember all the stuff the book was about. I know it's the best one that, 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 when, that when I read it, that was the one that I liked the most. Um, I'm going to pick a number of his other novels. I've got it here. It's, it's, so it's two main characters are Cameron uh, Coley, a journalist on a Scottish newspaper called The Caledonian, who uh-huh. resembles a Scotsman, and a serial murderer whose identity is a mystery. Uh, yep. Yeah, of course, because Ian Banks is from, from, from Scotland. He's from yeah, he's Scotland, Scotland, he's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's... he's um, it's just the weird, bizarre... He He... I'll give you an example of the kind of stuff that he um, that he writes in. It's it, it's 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 a bit twisted, but I kind of like it. So uh, he, he he there's one scene where this guy is with some girl, this woman he likes, and uh, and he's getting kind of quite aroused, and they're in a restaurant with each other having some food, and so he. He decides to take his shoe off and then kind of use his foot to kind of play with this woman, like... We'd had him at Sally, sort of thing. <laughs> and then, and then, he, uh, then he... I think afterwards he goes off into the toilet and he kind of wanks himself off with his sock. You know? <laughs> uh, and, but the way it's, it's written, it's kind of like... That's really... The idea is it's kind of like a bit twisted, but... I kind of like it, and he, he does it in a way that's playful, and and uh, his use of language is really good. So, yeah, and as I say, to me, he's um, sometimes when I have moments of grandeur and delusion about myself, I I, I hope I represent uh, people who are similar to me in a gen- in, in a generational way to say, well, this is kind of the kind of values that broadly that I that I have and that I hope some other people have and that I think all of us collectively can voice that to, to remind people that you can have views like this and to me Ian Banks 
as, a, as an author does the same, uh, only on a much better level than me, I've got to say. Uh, but he, he's singing from the same hymn sheet, and I feel it from him. I feel that he's a, he's a man um, cast from the same kind of stone as me, and not just me, but a lot of people like myself, maybe even someone like yourself, you know, people from a certain set of values and a certain time when British people thought in a certain way. That's uh, not really what's happening now. You know, it's a, it's the time that was pre-PC, uh, and it's the time when we still believed that rock music could change the world, yes. which, even though it's bullshit, is quite a nice idea. <laughs> uh, and uh, we believed in the power of, of creative people and, you know, and having ideas and underlying sense of decency and all that kind of stuff. And this is why I like Ian Banks. He he appeals to the side of me that loves the eccentricity and weirdness and stuff he puts in there. But I, I love the, the underlying values that come across as well uh and i kind of uh, you know when he died it just makes you think that all the time people are dying out you know i think that as we get older and i'm certainly feeling it myself you know i don't know how many more you know john hair derived does lead designer games i've got left in me um it's, it's almost as important, my role now, to carry that frame of knowledge of how to make good stuff. It's a bit like I was talking about the guys that made Last of Us, you know? They've stumbled upon some kind of magic formula. Um, for the good of art, it would be great to share that. I'm not saying they, they should or that they will commercially, but sometimes these things are just as important. You know? It's not all about... It's not all about making stuff and becoming famous or whatever it's about actually having some kind of uh, skill or knowledge or feeling and sharing that yeah. so that it can be passed down generations and uh, yeah so hats off to Mr Ian Banks what a fantastic author that's all I can say yeah and a good Scotsman as well <laughs> yeah 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 good Scotsman yeah, look, my, my favourite author is also Scottish but in, it's Evan Welsh Ah, okay. Yeah, I like a, I like a bit of train spotting. Did he have, has he got a terrible beard like Ian Banks had as well? Um, no, no. Oh. He's, he's completely bald with no, with no beard or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got a completely different style of, style of uh, writing, I think, as well. I think, um, I think, yeah, I think, um, everyone else is a bit more... Uh, I know you said Ian Banks is a bit controversial, but I think everyone else is very controversial. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've not read his books, but obviously I've seen the film. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the thing about, I, I, I don't know, I've not read many Banks books, so I, I, I can't really comment on the way they're written, but the way Evan Welsh writes his books is he writes it in Scottish slang, so if you're a non Scottish person reading it, it can be, it, it, I can imagine it would be quite hard to. He, he does. Yeah. yeah, Ian Banks, he's written about, you know, 15 or 20 of these novels. Yeah. Um, and some of them do go really Scots in dialect. Uh, I would recommend you, as a Scotsman, if you've got time to get a book, get this book, Complicity, and read it, or get any other of these Ian Banks novels. Some of them aren't that aren't that long, and you you kind of understand what what I, what I mean. But you may just like it actually. I must admit, actually, uh, well, while you were talking, I was just having a quick look at the plot summary of um, 
complicity and, and it actually it looks right up my, my alley. It looks as if it would be quite interesting. So Remind me, yeah. remind me of the plot. Um, so Coley is a gonzo journalist with a amphetamine habit living in, living in Edinburgh. He smokes cigarettes and cannabis, drinks copious amounts of alcohol, plays computer games and has, and has adventure sex with a married woman, uh, Yvonne. He regrets his addictions and misdemeanours and tries half-heartedly to give them up occasionally. Um, he, mm-hmm. refle- he reflects on an awful experience of witnessing the aftermath of the massacre at the Highway of Death in the Gulf War. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, he thinks he has a scoop when he, re- when he receives an anon- anonymous phone call about a series of mysterious deaths. Suddenly he has mysterious deaths of his own to worry about when an editorial he wrote years before comes back to haunt him. That's think it sounds a really good idea for the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some good ideas in there. Yeah. Cool. Excellent choice of book. And we're on to the final item, which is a luxury item. Well, I'm kind of... I've I needed to invent this item a little bit. <laughs> it needed to have more than one function to, to, to be worthwhile. But um, basically, as a lifelong songwriter, with all that time, I need a guitar. Right, but this guitar is a special guitar because it's got a few, a couple of other things built into it. Okay, right. so this is a guitar with a built-in microphone, so you can sing into it. Right, and a built-in recorder, recording machine, recorder. So basically, you can write songs. You can, you can like play the guitar, and uh, and somewhere in the guitar body is a little thing which can. A little mic which can hear the guitar and your voice, and then save stuff and then ability to play it back, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely possible because I mean, look at look at iPhone for example. A tiny little thing like an iPhone, and I can and I exactly. can re- and I can record. Well, not I can't record phone calls on it. Well, I can if I get the right software, but you've got a recorder, you've got a voice memory. Well, yeah, I, I use it all the time. It's, 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 it's the thing I use at the moment to record if I'm out and about. Yeah, yeah I, so. so Maybe there is a guitar like this that exists. If not, it'd be be good to invent one actually. It'd be bloody useful. Get yourself on Dragon's Den and make your make some more millions. That, that top little bit of the guitar when they when you're playing, do you play guitar at all? I've got a guitar, but um, can I play it? Not really. <laughs> the little bit where you normally put all the electronics, you can easily put a little recording machine there. Yeah, I think you're like top of the guitar. I think you're definitely onto something. Yeah. I think that is that there's no there's no reason why that can't be possible in this day and age. I'm sure someone I maybe it's worth googling. Googling guitar <laughs> built in recording machine. Guitar uh, built in Gibson introduces memory cable with built-in recorder. Hmm, that's not it. That's a memory cable. Well, I suppose you could have it built into the cable, couldn't you? Yeah, is that two yeah. items? No, if you had an electric guitar, if you had to pick an electric guitar, you would be allowed to have the cable. Uh, there's an Ovation. Ovation's quite a well-known company that makes acoustic guitars. Oh yeah, the first celebrity, I celebrity acoustic electric. Oh yes, yeah. Does it say? 
the first guitar in history with about an MP3 recorder, the, the, the Ovation Idea CC44SI Celebrity Acoustic Electric Guitar. Yeah, that's it. That's what I want. It's one of them. The Ovation. Yeah, it's got a microphone in it and it records. Someone's already done it. How brilliant. <sighs> well, <laughs> that's, that's what you can do. You can have it on your island and an Ovation guitar. But it's only got 100 minutes of MP3. It's not really very long if I'm there on time. There must be a way for expanding the memory. Yeah, I think so. And you need some headphones so you can hear it, apparently, for this. I'll, gi I'll give you, four, I'll give you four, four versions of it. There you go. <laughs> that will keep you going for a little while. Okay, so... I think we came to the end, but I'm going to give you the opportunity, if you wish, that is, to um, to tell us what you're doing, plug whatever you've got coming up. Um, if you've got anything coming up, then this is the time to plug, to plug it. Oh, I mean, at the moment, the the um, the only thing I've got out there is um, is Word Explorer, which we released, you know, last year, and we got a fantastic version out there at the end of last year. Uh, it's available currently on two platforms, which is on the iOS mm -hmm. and uh, on uh, uh, PC via Big Fish, so like on the Big Fish games market. Um, it's um, it's a it's a very very big word game. It's kind of a combination of in in my list of games. It's a combination between Scrabble and. Um, mm, Scrabble and maybe Candy Crush a bit and maybe uh, well any world exploring thing. Which one would it be? I don't know. Maybe Swiss. Right. Basically, you go around the world, uh, solving word puzzles, collecting photographs. Um, yeah. So get Word Explorer. It's really cool. We've had one and a half thousand reviews on the App Store. Uh, we are. Averaging 4.5 stars from those one and a half thousand. Cool. In the USA, our current version is is got five star average, which is brilliant. In the states, the, the latest version because we've been improving it all the time. It's been number one uh, in the word or trivia categories on the App Store in uh, 58 different countries. And uh, yeah, get Word Explorer. And uh, if you like it, give it a nice review. If you don't. Don't review it. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else I've really got coming up at the moment. Uh, buy the Sensible Software book from Rom. This is a great little book. Um, I've actually just got my original copy of uh, the Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll soundtrack, which is a 52-minute rock opera, right. uh, which I'm thinking of possibly duplicating and getting out there somehow, but I'm not sure how. What do you think? Do you think there'd be any interest? You could do it, you could do, um, you could do it through, uh, through Pledge Music. Pledge uh, Music? Pledge Music. Have you heard of Pledge Music? Tell me about it. Uh, one of my favourite bands, you, I'm sure you've heard of them, uh, they're called uh, Reef. Yep. You know, they've done Place Your Hands and all that kind of stuff. Um, they released uh, a massive box set which I've got actually I've actually um, got it from I think it was that but anyway they released uh, a box set of all their back catalogue and 
demos and unreleased stuff and live stuff. Uh, it was mm-hmm. massive, massive big box and stuff. And uh, the way they sold that was through a, a website called pledgemusic.com. And I think I'll, I'll go to it. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll bring it up here. And, um, it's basically, it's it's kind of like um, what's the other thing? It's, have you heard of something called Patreon? Patreon. No. Right, it's basically like there's a lot of people on YouTube, for example, um, who have got this thing called Patreon. Patreon. So they'll say if you donate donate so much music per month, eh, music, so much money per month, eh, we'll do we'll release such a video or we'll give you a credit. You know that sort of thing. So pledge music is similar in that vein. Where so I think when Reef did it, if you paid fifteen pound, you would get the basic. Like a, an album, if you uh-huh. pound, you get the box set. If you paid a hundred pound, you get a signed T-shirt. You know things like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you could always, if you look at that, you could always release it, and then look. You got, you could say, for example, you could record at the start of an album. You could say a dedication from John here to the person mm-hmm. that's bought it. You know that sort of thing. Yeah, that's how it, that's that could be a way of getting it out. Okay. Yes. Pledge music. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, I'm, I'm having a look at it now. Yeah. I can see. I love it. I'll I love it in more detail. Okay. Thanks. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've got nothing particularly to plug really at the moment. I mean, I'm. No. Just, just be decent and support good, good um, games and good music, and don't support crap. You know, the way for us to declutter our planet of rubbish is to not support the rubbish things anymore. Yeah. That's my message. That's please do that. <laughs> That's what I want you to do. I I, I will back you up on that one. 